All right, guys, we have an amazing speaker. She's extremely cute, too, but that's just for me. Anyway, please welcome my wife, Gabe. Thank you, guys. Thank you very much. Well, I am super excited. Even though I tell Bob he can't say that, I'm going to say it. I'm super excited to teach this message. Do not worry. So easy for me to say, right? Except for if you have known me from, for any period of time, you know that is really not easy for me to say. I have struggled with worry and anxiety not only my entire adult life, but really for as long as I can remember, even as a kid, being very anxious about everything. So when I started studying and researching for this message, I went onto the uh, Mayo Clinic website, and I brought up some complications associated with worry and anxiety because I thought it would be fitting that I would start you guys out by making you worry about the things that will happen to you (laughs) if you worry or are anxious. And so we've got depression, substance misuse, insomnia, headaches, social isolation, digestive issues, wanting to avoid things that trigger anxiety, which for some of us is everything, right? So I don't think that any of these things is a surprise to you. If you suffer from anxiety or worry, um, you've, you've likely experienced many, if not all of these things. So what I did is I come, okay, I'm gonna, I'm gonna make myself a little graphic about some worries. And the reason I did this is I put out on Facebook, I asked you guys, tell me some of the things that you worry about. And I got great response, um, and much of it overlapped. And this is my little worry graphic. And seriously, I have worried about each and everything on this, okay? So much of it overlaps with things that I heard from people, and some of it is probably specific to me, like what if I don't make it across the monkey bars, okay? For those of you who don't know me very well, we're going to do Tough Mudder this year, and that is my biggest anxiety about Tough Mudder is making across those monkey bars. But there are many, many things on here that were, again, we heard from everybody, money, family, things that we're anxious about. So before we get into the scriptures, I want us as a body to to agree on a couple things. I'm going to give you a couple practical tips, and I'm just going to ask you to begin with, let's just agree that we are going to stop worrying about things that will literally never happen, right? The chances of an airplane crashing into my house, seriously, probably not going to happen. The flooded cave thing, I'm watching those, that soccer team, right? And I'm, I'm praying for those boys, which that's an appropriate response to have. But then I start going through some weird, anxious, worrisome thoughts about what I would do if I was in that same position, which I guarantee you literally will never happen. All right? And the danger to that is when you start down that road, even though that's ridiculous, it just spins you up into a general state of anxiety. So let's take that out, and we're going to just agree, all of us right here and now, that when we start to get anxious thoughts about something that is not going to happen, that we're going to refuse those anxious thoughts. We're going to recognize that that's what's happening, and we're just going to tell ourselves to knock it off. Okay, practical tip number two, we're going to stop worrying about things that really have no consequence. 
Now, some of you might say to yourselves right now, Gabe, how could you possibly put not being able to afford Chick-fil-A into that category, right? But truly, that's not, that's not a worry about feeding your family. That's about a, a luxury worry, right? About being able to go out to eat. No one liked my posts on social media. What if I don't make it across the monkey bars? Truly, if I don't make it across the monkey bars, I end up in the water, and that's the worst that happens. What if they think I look dumb? All right? So for anybody that follows me at all on Instagram or Facebook, you know I don't worry really so much anymore about looking dumb. You've seen me try to make it across a slip and slide at the end of the Independence Day 5K. Seriously, I've gotten over that fear, that worry of looking dumb. So we're just going to take that off. And we're going to say, as a group, that we're going to try to remind ourselves that some things that we worry about, they have no consequence attached to them. And they are not worth our time. So that leaves us with these things right here. Things that I think are maybe more legitimate worries, more things that are things that can happen to us if you live your life as a person and you ever leave your, your home. And we're just going to kind of say that this is the group that we're working with for the most part today. All right, so we're going to go ahead and we're going to get into our scriptures. We're going to go back to that graphic later, but right now we're going to go into our scriptures. And we're uh, in Matthew 6, 25 through 34. And if you've uh, been going to DCC, you know that we're in Sermon on the Mount. If this is your first time, we're in Sermon on the Mount, okay? And we've been working through Matthew, and we are in this section right now where, you know, Jesus, he's talking to uh, believers, all right? about the Christian living in this world and the relationship to the Father. And it's important to understand that when Jesus is doing this teaching, he is teaching to believers. He's talking about our personal, private lives. And right now, this section of the message is a perfect um, extension of the teaching that we did last week where Pastor Bob was teaching on treasures in heaven. Essentially, not to store up treasures here on earth, not to have a love of money and things, all right? So even if you might say to yourself, well, I'm not storing up treasures here on earth. I don't really have a love. I don't have anything to have a love of. We're not supposed to be hyper-focused on it either. And this is what he's talking about here, those things that are worrisome about our worldly lives. So we're going to go ahead and read this section, and then we're going to break it down into chunks. That is why I tell you not to worry about everyday life, whether you have enough food and drink or enough clothes to wear. Isn't life more than food and your body more than clothing? Look at the birds. They don't plant or harvest or store up food in barns for your heavenly father feeds them. And aren't you far more valuable to him than they are? Can all your worries add a single moment to your life? And why worry about your clothing? Look at the lilies of the field and how they grow. They don't work or make their clothing, yet Solomon in all his glory was not dressed as beautifully as they are. And if God cares so wonderfully for wildflowers that are here today and thrown into the fire tomorrow, he will certainly care for you. Why do you have so little faith? So don't worry about these things saying, what will we eat? What will we drink? What will we wear? These things dominate the thoughts of unbelievers but your heavenly Father already knows all your needs. Seek the kingdom of God above all else and live righteously, and he will give you everything you need. 
So don't worry about today, for tomorrow will bring its own worries. Today's trouble is enough for today. So as I was studying this, I saw, for the most part, two schools of thought on this scripture. And one school of thought believes that this scripture is aimed at the affluent, the rich, people who have much to lose and live in fear of losing it. And then the other school of thought is that this is aimed at the poor, those who are focused on the fact that they don't have these things. So either way, either way you might look at it, still it's our minds focused on these worldly things that are the problem. So that's kind of what we're going to focus on really, is not whether or not it's the rich or the poor, it's the focus of what we're thinking about, where our anxieties lie. So in that first section, Matthew 6, 25 through 27, that is why I tell you not to worry about everyday life, whether you have enough food and drink or enough clothes to wear. Isn't life more than food and your body more than clothing? Look at the birds. They don't plant or harvest or store food in barns, for your heavenly Father feeds them. And aren't you far more valuable to him than they are? Can all your worries add a single moment to your life? I believe it's important to recognize first and foremost when we're reading this section of the scripture that Jesus is not saying that we aren't to think about these things ever. He's telling us not to be anxious or worried about them. He's not saying don't be reasonable in your daily preparations, the things that you do that are reasonable to, to move through your day and provide for yourself using the provision that God has given you. He's not saying to live in reckless abandon, for we are still responsible for our words and our deeds. We're responsible to do our part. In Genesis 3.19, it says, By the sweat of your brow will you have food to eat until you return to the ground from which you were made. For you were made from dust, and dust, and to dust you will return. So from the very beginning after the fall of man, God has made it very clear that there will be some work necessary on our part. He will give us provision, the ingredients, but we're going to have to do our part and partner with him for those things to happen, okay? It, it means, again, he is our source, but we have a part to play in that. We're not just bystanders seeing what happens and hoping for the best. God ordained seed time and harvest, right? So whether or not, you know, you are not literally necessarily out there planting seeds, but some of you might be, right? There's something. If you've got a garden and you're planting seeds, you have to know when to harvest them, how to take care of them. God provided you with those basic ingredients for you to be able to produce something special. It talks in that scripture about God providing for the birds, okay? But the birds, they have to do their part as well. I mean, you might think to yourself about the visual about little baby birds and the mom is feeding the birds in the nest, right? But where does the mom get the food, right? She goes out and she gets the worms or whatever it is that she's feeding to her babies. If there's rain and you see um, the worms come up out of the ground. I don't know if you've ever seen the craziest thing. The birds are just there, and they move their way down the block to each house because as they eat everything that's, that's available to them, they move on to the next thing. They know 
that they're not going to just sit there with their mouths open and have food fall from the sky. They have to keep moving to where it is. God's provided that food, but they have to do their part to be able to get it. Something that from a personal experience I wanted to share um, in that respect, because I've thought about this many, many times. Many years ago, before Bob and I were married, um, it was shortly after my divorce. I had a young, young child living in a townhome. I was laid off from my job. And we weren't given any notice, and that was a terrifying place to be. I didn't have a ton of debt, but I didn't have much of anything in savings either. I was more kind of paycheck to paycheck. And um, I, I didn't know what was going to happen in that. And I had a relationship with God. It's not like the relationship I have now. But when you are in a circumstance like that, you are seeking him big time, right? And I, I prayed and I prayed, but I also kept my eyes open for opportunities because I was focused on, hey, I need to make my next mortgage check. So I did pet sitting. I helped clean lots and chip wood. <laughs> I, I did freight, unpacked freight in the, at night. And that helped me be able to, to raise some money. And I was a little bit short, and I am praying about it. And I'm like, you know what? I have done everything. I've put out applications. I haven't found another job yet. I have done everything that has been brought to me, and I'm so close. And I kid you not, the very next day in the mail, I received an escrow check that I didn't even think I had coming. I, we, I had refinanced my townhome so long before I thought everything had been paid out. And it was within a few dollars of exactly what I needed. And sometimes God provides like that. God didn't give me that escrow check early because I would have spent it on something else. And he provided me with opportunities that weren't easy, but they were opportunities that I took advantage of, all right? And then that, the jobs that I applied for, right, I had in my mind, I was administrative background, office manager background, had an opportunity for a job I felt very good about, very qualified for. And at the last minute, that job evaporated, and I, and I didn't get it. And so what I was left with was an opportunity for a job um, in the same industry that I had been an office manager for, but in outside sales. And that is scary, okay? It was very heavily commissioned, and I had always said, and you all know the danger of saying, I will never, I will never take, right, um, a job where you work commission. I will tell you guys, I don't know if that was just God's way of forcing my hand, but what I said to myself was, that is the opportunity that is before me. I need a job. I need a way to provide for my child and myself. They've got my resume, so if they think I'm qualified for it, I'm going to take it. And I did. And that is the job that grew over the years and allowed us the opportunity when we were interested in going into full-time ministry, right? We started by volunteering and then part-time. And then an opportunity for full-time ministry came out for, job, for Bob to leave his job and for me to provide for us solely on my income. Still very heavily commissioned. 
And it lined up in such a way that we were able to do that for a couple years and then be able for me to leave my job and us both to go into full-time ministry. Now remember, full-time ministry was never even on the table for us, okay? We didn't know that's what we wanted, but God knew way back then when he presented an opportunity for provision to me, an opportunity that I really didn't want, but I said, okay, if that's what's, that's what's before me now and this is the position I'm in now, I'm gonna address that problem with what God has provided me with, and it opened up a whole new world for us. All right? So I'm like, okay, every time something like that happens to me, that grows my faith by leaps and bounds about God's provision in my life. Philippians 4, 6 through 7 says, don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank him for all he has done. Then you will experience God's peace, which exceeds anything we can understand. His peace will guard your hearts and minds as you live in Christ Jesus. So I pulled this one up because this section of scriptures in Matthew that we're working about um, seem like they maybe specifically talk only about food and clothes and drink, you know, like those kind of, of worries. But really, all through the Bible, it tells us not to worry. All through the Bible, it tells us to cast our cares on the Lord. And I just wanted to, again, just remind us that this extends to all of these things in our lives. The last verse in Matthew, so we'll go back to that, warns us about the futility of worry. And it's practical advice. So Jesus' teaching everywhere is amazing. Jesus' teaching on Sermon on the Mount is incredible spiritual teaching, but it is really super practical as well. It is applicable to our lives, if you, if you sit and study it out, it is just as applicable to us today as it was then about those worries, about the things that we struggle with, the things that we worry about. Worrying doesn't get us any closer to a better result. We can influence our circumstances, again, by preparing, by being reasonable about the things that we do. We know that if we want to feed our family dinner, we have to go to the grocery store that's making a preparation. We know to buy groceries. We have to have money, right? We have to have a job to have money to buy groceries to feed our family that evening. Those are reasonable preparations. And we pray to God and we do what we can, what he asks us to do, what's within our control. And that is all that we can do. And we have to keep our minds open and our eyes open because worry distracts us from the provision God puts right in front of us. Sometimes we are so worried about the circumstance we're in, we miss all of the provisions that God sends our way. There's a joke. I'm not going to try to tell a joke because I'm terrible at telling jokes. But it's about a sinking ship where people are praying for God to deliver them. And a helicopter comes and they refuse that. And a tugboat comes and they refuse that. And, and in the end, they're like, God, why did you not save us? And God's like, I sent a helicopter. I sent a tugboat. I said, that's it. God uses those things and people around us to provide provision, right? We have to be flexible in what we're looking at. 
In the next section of Matthew 6, 28 through 30, it reads, and why worry about your clothing? Look at the lilies of the field and how they grow. They don't work or make their clothing. Yet Solomon in all his glory was not dressed as beautifully as they are. And if God cares so wonderfully for wildflowers that are here today and thrown into the fire tomorrow, he will certainly care for you. Why do you have so little faith? So in this section, Jesus is restating the first section in a slightly different way. It's a very good speaker strategy to hit your highlighted points several times to help your audience. His reference regarding flowers being thrown into the fire just is a reference to a practice then where they would um, rake up the grass and the flowers, they would mulch it up, they would burn it, and then they would use those smoldering ashes and embers in the ovens to bake bread. Okay, so what Jesus is saying, those flowers are short-term, they come and go, but we're eternal. We're eternal because, again, he is speaking to believers, believers who have eternal life through Jesus. And this message is for Christians, all right? So somebody who is an unbeliever, this message isn't going to mean anything to them. It's, they don't have that assurance that we have. We know that God will somehow or another provide means, or at least we should know that. And we need to be flexible, again, to look for and act on the provision that he gives us. If we don't, then we're refusing his provision, right? If he provides and we say, well, that isn't really the job I had in mind, right? You want to provide for your family. Your, a job comes up. It's not exactly what you want. Oh, no, can't do that. You're refusing God's provision. Our lives are a gift and not an accident. So there's no reason to believe that God who has been for, there for us every step of the way would turn his back on us at any point. We need to have faith that God will fulfill his purpose for us. And the larger our faith is, the less our anxiety. I go back to my job example. That built my faith so incredibly that the next time an opportunity came up, I was much quicker to step into that opportunity with less anxiety because my faith in what God had done for me up until that point had really changed me, changed me at that, even up until that point. And even though if we do everything right, things can sometimes go wrong because we're in a fallen world and we're subject to other people's free will, even though that's a possibility, that doesn't keep God from accomplishing his purpose. There is nothing that somebody can do, somebody else can do, to circumvent God's purpose for you. All right? Absolutely, amen. When we worry, when we let worry take over, we aren't controlling our thoughts. Our thoughts are being controlled by something else, namely fear. And as we've learned in previous messages, fear is a demon spirit, and you don't want that in your life. That's why we need to recognize and capture those thoughts. Okay, take control of them and pray them out of our minds. Going against our very nature to worry is evidence of that renewed mind. In the next uh, section of scripture, Matthew 6, 31 through 33, 
It reads, so don't worry about these things, saying what will we eat, what will we drink, what will we wear. These things dominate the thoughts of unbelievers, but your heavenly Father already knows all your needs. Seek the kingdom of God above all else and live righteously, and he will give you everything you need. And I just want to point out, it says everything you need, not everything that you want, okay? Doesn't mean you might not get what you want, but we have to start with that first, that first part. Here Jesus, again, restating everything that he said previously in case we missed it the first two times around. And in verse 33, he's telling us, okay, guys, if you want to focus, be hyper-focused on something, be hyper-focused on God. Our relationship with God is the only thing that we truly have 100% control over. Anything else, we, we don't have ultimate control over the end. But our relationship with God, we absolutely do. And again, unbelievers, they don't have that option. They are stuck to simmer in their worry and their anxiety. Where we know we have a father who cares about what happens to us and that he is there to comfort us any time that we will allow him. The last sentence, Matthew 6, 34. So don't worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will bring its own worries. Today's trouble is enough for today. So what's that supposed to mean, right? But um, I think what Jesus is telling us is that if our current worries don't create enough chaos in our lives, the enemy will make sure that we will worry about what might happen to us in the future. He'll, put it, he'll go push it over there. Future worries, they're not certain. They may not happen at all. And future worries cripple us in the present. Again, they make it so that we can't act on the things that might help our situation because we're so worried about what may happen. And if you've been alive for any time at all, you know that every day has its daily quota of problems. And... We are to address those problems, again, to be reasonable in our preparations and the things that we do every day, but we are only to do the things that we can, the things that God has asked us to do, the things that he has made us responsible to be good stewards over. That's our responsibility, and everything else is up to God. My personal example of this is um, if, you, if you know me, you know I have type 1 diabetes. If you don't, I have type 1 diabetes, all right? I was diagnosed in 2014. I ended up in ICU. And one of the first things that happened after my diagnosis was um, the doctors gave me a giant laundry list of all the horrible and terrible complications that could possibly happen to me with diabetes. Increased risk of amputations because diabetes affects your uh, circulation detached retina from elevated blood sugars, neuropathy, pain in your hands and your feet, again, because of circulation issues and elevated blood sugars. Now, forget the fact that many, many, many of these are tied to years of elevated blood sugar, right? Or uh, circumstances where people are not taking reasonable care of themselves after they know what they're supposed to do and they allow their blood sugars to be that, that high for a long time. 
I have to take insulin every day. But when he gave me that, fear came in, and I had already, you know, jumped years and years ahead to where I have all those things. All of those things have happened to me. And that was crippling. I mean, that was terrible. It was terrible. But the truth of the matter was, then and today, four years later, I have none of those complications. And letting go of those worries has allowed me to be brave. And that's Jesus. That is Jesus. Because he very clearly said to me, I have got so much more for you. How are you supposed to do any of that if you are sitting here worrying about things that may never happen? And if they do happen, I will take you through that as well. But we have to look at what's in front of you now. I don't want you to miss everything I have for you. All right? So that was probably the most aha moment for me in all of my life. And I wish that it had happened to me when I was 20 instead of 48 at that time. Because that has allowed me to get over the fear of looking dumb, right? I do 5Ks. I've done a half marathon. I am slow as molasses, but I don't care. I like it. I like the fact that I can do it. Tough mutter. These are all things. Anxiety. Flying. A very anxious thing for me for flying. And um, for 16 years, I never got on a plane. And God, you know, this was right before my diagnosis, kind of delivered me from that because we had an opportunity to go to Israel. And then after my diagnosis happened, I was like, okay, all of this time, I haven't gone places I want to go because I'm afraid to fly. What is the point in that? What is the point in that? I was letting myself live in constant fear of what if, when, when the biggest what if I could have thought of, a giant one happened to me, and I'm still here. And God still does amazing things for me every single day. So we're going to go back to our worry scenario, right? My little worry graphic here. Now remember, we've promised to set aside our worries about the things that are not going to happen and the things that do not have consequences. We're just going to do, again, if we feel those feelings spiraling up, we're going to just shut them down. All right? So you see that we've got some, the what ifs, the what if I get sick, what if I get hurt, and then what happens? What would happen to us? What if my kid gets into a car accident and our car insurance goes up as somebody with four kids? Trust me, that is always, of course, we want them to be okay, but the car insurance thing, big thing, right? So let's also promise we're going to set aside these things that are worries about the future, that we're no longer going to let worry about what might happen keep us from being vigilant and effective in our present. We're not going to let those things distract us so much that we miss the opportunities that God has put directly in front of us. So we're going to get rid of those, okay? And then we're going to promise that we are going to trust in God's provision. Jesus is telling us that God is going to provide. He's not promising us that it's going to be luxurious or without effort, only that his provision is certain. And we're going to say yes when he brings that provision to us, even if we can't see the end game, because he does. None of us can anticipate God. None of us have that high-level view to see all the things that he has working. So if he brings you that provision, 
Say yes to it. So we're going to get rid of those things. All right? Someday I'm going to die. I've struggled with this one. And many people struggle not for themselves, but obviously for loved ones. And especially if they don't know if their loved ones are believers. Okay? We are finite whether we worry about it or not. But if we truly believe in God, then we know that we're going to heaven. So that is far from a worst-case scenario. And if we believe in God and we believe God loves us, then we can believe God knows who we love and how much we want them to be in heaven as well. And if there is anyone that has the ability to make that happen, it's God. So you have to, I have to, we have to leave that to God. He wants those things for us. He wants those things for our family. He is the only one that can accomplish that. He's capable of making that happen. Truly believing in the eternal is the difference in this type of worry. So we're going to get rid of that. This right here, this is the only scenario of all of the worry scenarios that we actually have total control over. If you're worried about not talking to God, talk to God. That is all you have to do. You don't have to be perfect and have things right. Talk to God when you make good decisions. Talk to God when you make bad decisions. Talk to God when you feel hopeful. Talk to God when you feel defeated. Talk to him always every day, through everything you do, always make him part of it. Because once all of that junk is out of the way, this is what we're left with. And that's the only thing that really matters for each and every one of us, is our relationship to God. Amen? All right, I'd like to ask the worship team to come on up. So what we're going to do for response time, we're going to um, take communion as we normally do. Bob and I will serve up here at the front with wine and crackers and bread. And you can serve yourself or your family at the crosses with juice and crackers and bread. But take a moment and thank God for the fact that we have him as our provision and we have him as our comforter in those times that we start to worry. And just involve him in those because the more you do, the more your faith grows. I want this for you because it has changed my life so dramatically. I want that for each and every person. Seriously, each and every person in this room, I want it. I want it for you. And I want to keep getting better at it myself. Okay? Absolutely. And when you're doing that and you're at the crosses or taking communion up front, if you have a worry that you are just struggling with, pin it to the cross. We have cards there. You can write it down and pin it to the cross. Bob and I and the prayer team, we will pray over that. We will pray for you and your worries that you will be released from them because we want that for you so much. Okay? All right, so we're going to go ahead and we're going to close in prayer. And we're going to have like a super committed rest of our lives, right? Working on the worry thing. Lord, thank you so much. Thank you so much for an amazing day and the people that you've brought to church today. I know, and I pray that you reveal to them that if they are here today, it's because you wanted them to hear this message. You don't want them to live in anxiety or worry. You want them to know the very special, amazing life that you have planned for them. Lord, we, we rest in your provision. 
We rest in your mercy and we love you and we praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. to take this time after the message to just take the first part of the song, half of it, and just reflect and pray. Take this time to meet with the Lord. Have him meet you where you are at. Thank you, Jesus. God, I look to you. I won't be overwhelmed. Give me vision. You're where my help comes from. Give me wisdom. You know just what to do. You know just what to do. God, I look to you. How
believe it. Hallelujah, our God reigns. Hallelujah, our God reigns. Forever, all my days. Hallelujah. Sing that over your brokenness. Hallelujah, our God. Over hopelessness. sometimes and brokenness that when we lay our things down at your feet you are so faithful so faithful to get us through those things always faithful God we thirst for you hunger for more of you God we long for a touch from you in this place as we reach out our hearts to you right now Your face. 